Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I'm with my guys, Robbie Falke and Mike Guillory to talk some kicks. We're going to do it a little bit different tonight, but it's going to be good. So stay tuned for that. How you guys doing? Yo, I'm doing good, man. I, I, I wish I could complain, but you know what? Ain't no point. Right. Either way, the the sun still shines, the moon still glows. So yes, sir. Yep. it's going to be another day regardless. But I'm also good. For, for what it's worth, it hasn't been a bad day. Nice, nice, nice. Good to hear. So you know, we usually we usually talk about some news. We usually talk about you know your uh, your typical happenings in the sneaker world, whatever you want to call it. But we're gonna flip the script a little bit and. We're actually, Robbie and I are actually going to interview Mike to find out a little bit about his background, how he got into sneakers, and to just give you guys a little more insight into who we are as, you know, individuals here on the podcast. So this whole kind of idea came from a listener, Mario Restores. So shout out to Mario. Thanks for the the suggestion. Hopefully you guys like this. And if you do, obviously uh, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. However, you can support. To start out, Mike, why don't you uh, give us a little background on uh, on your introduction into sneakers and how you first got into it when you were younger? Yeah, man. Um, shoot, I really remember getting into sneakers. It had to be when we, my family and I, when we first moved to Texas. So my dad was in the Air Force. So I was actually born in Louisiana, lived in Tacoma, Washington for a while, and then. I think right when I turned like five years old, we moved to Texas, a small town called Beaumont. And my, of course I had shoes in between that, but my first introduction with shoes was a pair of Jordan 10s back in 94, the shadow pair. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because me and my dad had the same pair of shoes that it just stuck in my brain. And I just kind of been hooked ever since. So, I mean, I always blame my, my pops for, for my sneaker habit, even, uh, Every, every time I can bring it up, I just like to blame him. You know, he's not an into shoes. He just, you know, at the time Jordans were cheap. He likes dark color. Like he's like black shoes. And um, so they just happened to kind of fit his repertoire. But um, yeah, was, for me, it was a start of a, uh, a very, uh, very nice addiction, I guess. Um, but now, I mean, heck, I'm 30 years old, uh, got a wife and kid. And now I'm passing on that habit to my my six-year-old, and I'm trying to slowly get my wife into it. Every so often, I sneak in a pair 
the sneakers in her closet and was like, hey, look at these. You should try. You should put these on. Have any of those um, stuck? Any? Does she have any favorites now? Dude, I think her favorite of the group that she has, she has a couple pairs. She has a pair of Jordan 6s. It was like one of the female premium ones that were super expensive when they came out, but they sat. So I got them for really like a good price. She has a pair of Jordan 1 Lows, the Black Toes. She has a What the Fours, a pair of LeBron Soldiers, um, some Vapor Max. And then her favorite to wear, what I've seen, has been the Reebok Question, which I know Nick is probably just like a big smile on his face. That, that's I think that's her favorite, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's cool is that, like, that's a good mix of different types of models. And mm-hmm. I think if you're trying to get anybody or if you're trying to get into shoes, um, buying 10 pairs of Jordans might not be the best route for you. Um, as Wu-Tang Financial would say, diversifying your bonds is definitely the best way to go if you're trying to get into shoes. <laughs> straight to pill show. I was going straight to that clip. Yep, yep. Um for sure. For sure. It is kind of crazy. I mean, you know, I think me being a little bit older than you guys, the whole idea of even like having like a partner, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, that's into sneakers, uh, is like really new to me. Like I never really, I never really even considered it, you know, until the last maybe three, four years. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a cool thing to have a little, even just a little bit, you know? And I think that, 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 that can go a long way just to, because inevitably, you know, we're all talking about sneakers every day, you know? So, you know, your partner having a little bit of interest in it and a little bit of knowledge here and there just makes those conversations in between, you know, a, a little more, uh, I don't know, just a little, a little better, you know, it's like, it's like not a stress point where a lot of times for people where they just don't have those same interests, it, it can really just be like, like, why are you talking about that? You know? Like, <laughs> so that's, that's just really cool. And, and obviously like as, as a, a, a Iverson fan, the question being, you know, in her collection, Bravo! Props to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, she actually picked them up. That was the funny part. So we're uh, it was for so we got them for Halloween last year. She went. We we were at the we we were Bugs and Lola from Space Jam, and clearly we weren't both to break down and both buy a pair of Space Jams because uh, that would have just been stupid. But uh, we were just browsing around the sneaker store. I was like, oh, I'll just you know I'll wear something I have already, and she saw them. She was like, oh, I really like those. I'm like. Well, wow, I like I didn't I didn't pick these out. I was just like showing her different stuff. She's like, I really like those, and it they stuck, man. Like that when she pulls them out of the, uh, out the closet, that's kind of her her go to. I think they're probably most comfortable of the bunch for. That's awesome, man. So, what's your go to then? Like, if if you have um, like a Mike go to sneaker, doesn't have to be like all time, but just like recently, like what what do you pull out of your closet the most? Man, right now, when I pull out my closet the most, um, just kind of an asterisk to it, but I've been running way more. So I know you make fun of me, Robbie, because I still wear the same running shoes for a hot minute, but my, my Zoom Fly SPs have been constantly in the rotation. Um, 
But I think what I'm wearing, just other than that, man, that's a tough question. Because I'm looking around, I really haven't been going anywhere. So I have to say, probably my my Jordan One lows, just because they sit around, they're outside the box. Either that or my New Balance Nine Ninety V Fours are probably the the two pairs I wear the most, just casually right now. Good choices. Good choices. Yeah, super easy. This one's like, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff I, I do wear, but if I'm just hopping in the car to go to the store real fast or, you know, just a quick errand, those are already, like I say, by the door, jump in them, in and out. For your first pair of Jordans or your first pair of sneakers, I guess, like that you remember being Jordans, were mm-hmm. you into the Bulls and Jordan? I moved around a lot too, and moving around kind of changes you know, how you can be a fan of teams. So were you into basketball and into to Jordans? And then also on top of that, like, did you skate in them? Because we know you skate. Yeah, like, so tell us a little bit about that. Dude, so um, I really wasn't, like, we weren't a huge sports family. I don't think until we got older, like, when me and my brothers really got into sports as we, like, became teenagers and, you know, really kind of recognize what was going on. But I became a Jordan fan because of Space Jam, completely honest. I became a Jordan fan because of Space Jam. And I remember like vaguely like the basketball I remember watching at a young age was that 98 season. I actually remember sitting watching the, the 98 finals with my, with my dad. And it was very vague, but I remember watching it. It's very like one of my earliest sports memories, but – I do remember, you know, the Seattle um, Supersonics with, you know, Sean Kim, Gary Payton, because, I mean, again, vague memories as, as a young, young kid. But I remember, you know, I think my parents went to a couple games. Um, and my dad had one of these super cool, I know it was one of the ones everyone wants to come back. He had an Orlando Magic starter jacket. No, um, yeah, I was like, dude, I wish you'd have kept that. Like, yeah, <laughs> I should yeah. be wearing that right now. But, uh, those are my early sports memories. So it was more like it, the the pop culture side more or less got me into sneakers, the pop culture and like the clothing more or less than the sports at that time. It's um, just cool to hear that Space Jam worked. And I, I know that you're not an anomaly, um, but the fact that he really could bridge um, the gap more so into – like pop culture and movies and bring fans in that way. It don't, that's like, that's like the real power of space jam. Oh yeah. It was crazy because after that, I mean, again, still really new into sports. That's when I was getting into jerseys at that point. I remember I had a, uh, I had a Grant Hill, Detroit Jersey. I wore it all the time. Then I also had a Shaq Lakers Jersey that literally I wore till the numbers fell off of it. I, those two were like my go-tos all the time. I think I have a, I might have an old elementary school uh, school picture with like, I mean, you can't tell me I wasn't fresh back then. Like it was a winter time. I think it was the Grand Hill jersey in red and blue with the, uh, with like a turtleneck underneath. Boy, you couldn't tell me nothing, which is... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but skating, I, I don't... So when I really got into skating, 
that's kind of when the transition happened to uh, my foot growing more. And my parents were like, yeah, you're not getting anything expensive. So I definitely skated. You know, I, I know you guys remember this, but Airwalks went to pay less. So I was skating in Airwalks a lot. I was getting Converse Hell a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that was, those were like the go-to shoes for me. I mean, at that point, I didn't care. I mean, because DCs and stuff, I wanted those. You guys remember the, the stupid skate shoes that had the, like the plate in the middle so you can like like grind on your feet, basically? So Yeah. 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 So, yeah there you go. <laughs> Dude, I want a pair of those so bad. My mom was like, no, that's stupid. Because <laughs> uh, they're like a hundred something dollars. And she's like, your foot's growing like every week. You're, you're not buying that. And uh, so I was definitely, I, I was rocking, like I said, a lot of Converse, uh, a lot of Airwalks, and a lot of Superstars. That were the three shoes I skated in because, um, A, they were affordable, and A, they were tough. And, uh, I mean, you remember Superstars back in, like, Foot Action Champs days were, you know, two for two for 79, two for 89? Oh, yeah. Yeah, or Foot Action, whatever they were. It's like, dude, heck yeah, let me go ahead and get two shoes for the price of one. But... Yeah. When I was younger, that's, I mean, it was funny. My, my parents started the habit, but then, you know, of course, inflation happened and like, oh crap, you hundred dollars for a pair of shoes, you tripping. But yeah. my first, like, let's see, I, I, these are like the four shoes I vividly remember having like those first day of school. I remember going school shopping and these like were the ones. So of course, the first ones were the Jordan 10s, like right before I went to kindergarten. Again, I don't know how I remember it, but I do. Uh, next ones, 95, were the playoff 11s. The uh, I got those, and I got the Air Griffey Max 3s, which they have not retroed. I want to pair those so bad. If I can find one in decent shape and have it restored, if they don't ever retro, I would love to have a pair of those. And then Tim Hardaway's Air Bacon in the, in the red colorway. Those were the four shoes that I remember just if I can have all four of those now, I would probably beat them to the ground. That's awesome, man. Yeah, the 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 Griffey Griffey Max three man is such a I mean, just like I, I, baseball shoes in general for me are are super special. But that shoe was like it was like the first, you know, like I, I love the original Griffey Max. I love like the, the Diamond Fury. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of great shoes in that era, but the Griffey Max 3 was such a like the best way to put it is like it was a crossover, right? It was like I could see the Air Raid. I could see the Jordan 8. I could see, you know, Everything. all of these all of these players kind of wearing that shoe off the field and Obviously, Ken Griffey was just, you know, I think if you were anywhere near baseball at, at that era, like you were a fan, right? Because he was yep. just like this perfect, you know, kind of like the perfect swing, you know, the the coolest kid on the on the on the diamond. Like yep. he was just hat, everything. Man. Yeah, man. He just had it all right. He was like Michael Jordan, but like just the baseball version where it was like everything he did was cool. And yep. Yeah, so those those are those are definitely up there for me too when I was younger. Um, it is kind of crazy that those haven't come back. But every time I bring uh, it up to someone, you're like, Ugh, "Those are ugly." I'm like, "Those are one of the most classic shoes ever." You shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead yeah, serious. Man, I'm like, I mean, you that's, that's definitely like, one of my favorites too. Yeah, 
Oh, man. But yeah, man, those, if I can have any of those four, heck, all four, count me in. Now, so, so did you, did you, did you move down to t- Texas? Uh, I guess I should say, did you become a Rockets fan like during that era as well? Or was it, you know, kind of later that you started getting more into basketball? It was so I moved there right when they won their. So I was in Beaumont. So I live in Houston now, gotcha. of course. Yeah. So yeah. Beaumont was about, was about 80 miles east of Houston. So that's where most of uh, like my family was. So we just moved there after my dad got off the Air Force. Um, so I did not. I remember I had Rockets gear, like I had Rockets clothes and like I had all the Texas team clothes, like Oilers stuff. I had, you know, Cowboy stuff, which I will burn to this day. But <laughs> yeah, don't tell my wife. She's going to be mad because she's a Cowboys fan. Um, but um, yeah, man, I, I didn't really become a Rockets fan. I don't think until, be completely honest, probably middle school, high school. I think when, like when T-Mac got there, that was, uh, that's really when they, they really started having like a team again, because I mean, we had the course of Pippen and the uh, Barkley era where it was kind of like, all right, we got all these old vets who are just trying to put it together, but never quite happened. But that's when I, when I started kind of building my own taste in sports at that point, I don't know why I started building a, a hatred for, for the Spurs. I mean, I always respected Tim Duncan and then David Robinson, but the rest of the Spurs could go fly a kite. Uh, yeah, but I, I've been a huge Rockets fan since about, I'm say probably about like 13 years old and have been sad ever since. But <laughs> 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 but yeah, man, I mean, at that point, um, when I became a Rockets fan, I mean, it was still one of those, one of those in between times for me where, again, my, it, I had two brothers, or I have two brothers to say, and, um, you know, we're like, hey, your shoe's 150, you ain't getting that. So, it was one of those, like, I, I love T-Mac. Couldn't quite get the T-Mac, but I always did. I was wearing a lot of Adidas basketball shoes, like the, uh, what was it, Pro Model 2Gs. Uh, I wore a lot of the, like, the bounce models when they went on sale. I think I had one of, like, Dwight Howard's bounces that went on sale. It was, like, 50 bucks because, I mean, that technology was trash. But so proud of that because it was, like, it was in Orlando colors. It was super clean. It was in high school. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean. I had a very, very weird taste in shoes in the sense of I can't stick with one thing. I like to explore. So I was a little bit everywhere, man. I was uh, My favorite pair of shoes to wear in middle school was a pair of – they were GRs. We had to wear uniforms at school. They were white and blue. So I wore these white dunks with a navy blue outsole and a navy blue check. Hell, those things today might be worth like $400. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, with wanting to mix it up and starting to become like a Houston fan, um, once that settled in, did you ever get into like the T-Mac stuff? I didn't bring it up when I really had like my interview part, but like the T-Mac line, like super important to me and we're at the same age. So I was wondering if, if you caught that bug too. You know what? I never really did catch a T-Mac bug. Um, I always liked them, but I never, we had a very limited, uh, sneaker selection in, in Beaumont. Uh, I mean, you got your, your release J's. Um, but a lot of the, 
some of the yeah, a good amount of signature basketball stuff. We didn't get too much of it because it's just a, a very small market. Um, to be honest with you, a lot of stuff I, I was wearing, you know, like I said, I wore a lot of superstars back then. Uh, a lot of Chuck Taylors. Um, I'm trying to think, of, I wore a lot of like like Puma Romas or a big one. I wore and I always like follow these different like accounts, like, you know, look at Nike talk, looking at all these, like, I think one of the big things like back in the day before I actually had a computer in my room was watching like MTV cribs and watching like all the athletes and all like the rappers show their shoe closets off. And that was how I found out about a lot of stuff. Just like looking through that and like, Oh, I didn't know those existed. And, um, and from yeah. there just kept developing taste and, See what I get my hands on, just like really search. Like anytime I went to Houston, I was all like just every in every store I get my hands on just to find like a steal. That's so funny you say that because I also used to love watching MTV Cribs. Like hit me with the garage and hit me with the closet. Cars and kicks. Let's do it. So so, you know, in the timeline now that you're kind of like paying attention and looking at looking for deals what was the first pair of shoes you remember buying with your own money oh man the first pair of shoes i bought with my own money i want to say it was i'm trying to think i i think it might have been a pair i think it might have been a jordan 11 like the the ie yeah. The black and red colorway. That might have been the. I think that was the first one I bought with my own my own cash. And oh, when I say I beat it to the ground, that was a, probably a uh, probably understatement. <laughs> so mm-hmm. are we? Are are all three of us like fans of the IE? I I think I'm sensing that. That's a fantastic shoe. It gets so <laughs> much. I, it, people hate it so much when it come out. But why? When I go look on a resale site to buy another pair, they're like three hundred dollars. Makes no sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, those really do come and go with the times. Because I had the 2011 pair I bought while I working. Too. Yeah, like the Concord looking pair. And I sold those probably like 75, 60 bucks. <laughs> so it's like funny how things change. But yeah, I like the IE. Um, the Zest ones are always kind of cool. But I don't have any mm. current. Yeah, I don't have any current either because they just pff, dunzo. Like my 2011 breads. Woo! Uh, they they don't they they were great at a certain point. How much I wore them? Hey, that's dope though. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. like hey, I, I got the money's worth. I think the like there was one as I was getting older, and you know my parents started seeing that I was getting a, more of an affinity for sneakers. Like I'm really like showing them. I think I was able to get them to buy me a pair of the uh, the Jordan one. Uh, the alpha ones, the ones that are the full zoom in for basketball in the Carolina uh, colorway. I have, man, talk about having those for a while as well. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get here into like your first job in sneakers, but you, before we got on this chat, you sent us a picture of the dunk high premium earthquake. <laughs> and while we're talking about like first shoes, um, there has to be a, an early Mike story involved. Yeah, this is, so this is college years. Uh, this is actually before I got my first job in sneakers. I, I think this was my 
Oh, man. I, I want to say it was my – maybe my sophomore or junior year in college. And in Waco, there is a outlet, a premium outlet, probably about 45 minutes away. It's a little town called Hillsboro. And literally there is nothing in this town but like a Freddy's Burgers 7-Eleven, which we would drive out there like fools just to get Slurpees. And this outlet. That's it. It's in the middle of the highway. But this was, you know, you guys know this 2009, 2010 time where outlets were still like, no one were, were hit to them yet. This, I went to this outlet. I, I found countless stuff in there. I, the one thing I kicked myself is not getting the, the band ones because I think they came out when I had like a class. I think they came out on a weekday, didn't they? Can't it was remember. Thursday releases like Wednesday or Thursday. It was something like that, and I was in class, so I couldn't get them. But that's when I was really heavy into like, like I said, Nike talk, nice kicks, all that stuff. Just like I'm gonna find this stuff. But I went there with my my roommate at the time, and um, went in. I was the king of finding a freaking deal, man. I'm hitting the walls and everything, and everything was like pretty much half box, and it was crazy. Like now it's just a hash wall, but everything there was half box. So I see this size. It's probably a, a, a hair too big. It was a 10 and a half or a 10, but I'm like, these are dope. I'm bringing them with me. And bought them warm to death. I think I, I didn't I didn't get rid of them until probably maybe it was, oh man, I want to say maybe 2015. And because I wore them, so I ended up selling them to a, uh, just a, a res- uh, like a consignment shop because I mean, not a consignment, but like a Buffalo exchange. Uh, they were just, they were beat. And I was looking them up today for this purpose. I knew we were talking about this stuff. And this was like one of my, my, my biggest come up and, and biggest sad moment because there was no, there was no real value to that sneaker. It was 19 bucks when I picked it up. And now this purple gray, it had to say, you know, it was that earthquake soul. If everyone remembers that, uh, that cracked look, uh, I think it, it got popular with the Huffquake, right? Isn't it where it started from? That's the first thing I think of when I hear anything Quake in Nike, the Huff Quake. So, yes. Bro, $19. That shoe is selling for like between $700 and $1,000 right now. It's one of those ones I'm like, I'm glad I wore it and glad I enjoyed it. But I'm like, God dang it. If you had a time machine, you would still buy that one pair for $20, but you might buy another five or six for $20. Oh, I would have bought every size for it. If I, if I knew what I knew now, heck yeah. But I, I still, I made the right decision. I bought them. I, I, I got the worth out of them by putting them on and wearing them. But, and that's the stuff. I mean, yeah, that's all that matters. Hashtag wear your shoes. That's what but, I'm saying. I mean, that's always so tough because um, nowadays it's like, People want like a, a cookie for wearing their shoes. Just silly. And here you are. It's rocking them like they should be. And that's what it's all about. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, oh, we kind of have a better idea of what early Mike was on. So then like, let's talk about your work experience. What's what's Mike's resume? Yeah, man. So I only had one job in sneakers and it was I worked at Champs. And it's so funny. I remember I got applied for like Foot Locker and stuff before, and 
I don't, I don't think I ever did good on like those personality uh, tests they would do. And like, I never knew what the score was, but I'm like, man, that must have been what it was, but whatever. I went into champs and my, <laughs> I, I said, I'm gonna take a different approach. Instead of going online and applying, I printed out my resume. I threw on like some, at that point, you know, wax finished jeans were a thing, uh, like silver tab. Levi's, um, like a button-up shirt, and again, the Jordy 11 IE show up. I had those on, cleaned up. I'm like, I'm going in the store, I'm going to get a job. And brought the manager my resume. And it's so funny because he's like, no one ever comes or just brings me anything. And to this day, uh, me and him are still friends. He actually moved from Waco to Houston with his family, and his store he manages is literally uh, two miles away from my office now. So I'll go down and see him every so often, like during lunch. Does he still work at Champs? Uh-huh. He's uh he's he got a bigger store. I think he's working his way up to like like GM or something. He, we talked about it a while ago, but yeah, man, it, it's crazy. Like he, we were literally down the street from each other, and I worked with him, God, almost ten years ago. That's awesome. So why don't you ever flex that connects? Because that's like every GR. <laughs> I just, hey, I just started. I, I, look, I hadn't seen him in a while. And I just went in there. I was like, holy crap, like he's here. Because so, so we got to take a step back. We're going to do like the last dance, go forward, backwards, sideways. And yeah, you know, I, <laughs> now started working there. Um, to test me basically is like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm not going to hire you straight up, but I want you to come in and I want you to organize my stock room. Oh, no, like, all right. But little did he know I'm a tad bit OCD. So I'm like, I got this. I was organizing everything for, I did the whole stock room in I think two days, front to back, you know, stuff that needs to be sent back to, uh, back to the distributor because it's like, you know, mismatch or something screwed up with it. I'm talking about arranging Jordan, Jordans, Team Jordans, you know, I swear every Nike shock on earth, dude, but I loved every minute of it because I got to see everything. And once he saw me finish it and he went back and like, my system was perfect. Like everything. Cause he's like, Hey, organize the way you want it. And it literally stayed that way for the entire time I was at the, at the, the store, which was for like a year. And, um, from there, man, I mean, I was on the, on the floor. Met some really cool people there. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was the, I really like to be able to wear shorts and like this little fake jersey to work every day. It's kind of cool. Huh. So, I mean, you did that before you started working there? Yeah, that was like my my trial period. That was like my, my basically like my, um, we're going to give you a trial run and see if you can, basically, can you survive a stock room? Man, that's like free labor. You best get that connected. I mean, oh, I got the hours for it. Don't worry, I got the I got the hours for it. Yeah, he put he put me on. All right, cool. You got the, you got the hours for it, and uh, yeah, man, it was just like learning where you know, all the skews were. Like, oh, cool. Like, where you can just like basically just, before they had the radios where they can call back for them now. Like, they're not gonna lie. No offense to anybody working at Foot Locker or any of those stores, but y'all y'all don't know the struggle of having to go climb that little frail ladder, trying to hurry up before the person gets impatient. That's risking your life just to pull a pair of sneakers off the shelf for people, bro. Like it was scary in the top shelf, man. Tipsy. It's <laughs> <laughs> shaking like help. I got this size fourteen in my hand. Oh god, I'm not gonna make it. But and not to mention all the other employees coming in and shaking it while you're up there. Bro, 
like bumping into you, like you are trying to get underneath because they need something like between you and like the ladder. I'm like, you got to move. Like <laughs> we're both gonna die here. Have you ever um, hidden something up on the top of that crickety ass ladder for yourself? A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like I hit stuff everywhere in there, dude. I remember like when Lunar Glide Two's first came out. I was like, this cushioning is a godsend. And I remember it was the Wolf Gray and I guess they called it Total Orange. And I remember taking my size and it, they were selling out because, you know, a lot of college athletes and stuff. So I put it the fur, like close to like the, the trash on the top shelf. I just put my name on it. Like, hey, no one touched this. I, I told straight up, I'm like, hey, I'm going to buy this. Just act like you don't see it. I mean, I got it. I mean, there's as, as, a, as a poor college student, it was always nice. I don't know if they even still do this at the stores, but um, I straight up find something. I, I put it on layaway. I'm like, look, man. I, and they had, you know, they had that layaway program, like pay like X amount of dollars every couple of days or every couple of weeks. And dude, that's how I got a lot of my collection back then. I 100% know about layaway. Um, what's funny about that is like, the Lunar Glide 2 is a super dope shoe, but like totally lost to the memory books, like quite forgettable in the long term. But I couldn't agree with you more with how good that cushioning felt at the time. Love that shoe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Beat that one to the ground, too. <laughs> I still love Lunar Glides. I mean, I think I had every one up until like the six. And to this day, I'll take it over React. So. Oh, dude. They last longer. I, that that lunar cushioning, I, I feel like it just holds its form better than some of his other stuff does. So, I mean, you said it's a college town, so you know you're moving those kind of shoes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But what's what's the craziest release, or did you have any crazy releases while you were working there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a the craziest release was the 2011 Concord. Um, man, I remember so. The deal was our manager, we didn't have a lot of people working in the store. I think it was maybe a grand total of either like seven or eight of us. So the 10% rule, we were already cool. Everyone got their pair. But the deal was, he's like, I will give you a pair, but I need help working the the release. He said, he's going to be stupid. I need, I need to have all hands on deck. So if you want a pair, cool. Let's, I just need your help. So everybody showed up December 23rd. At uh, you know five a.m. in the morning, we're there, and dude, so we had to, of course go through the back entrance because the mall wasn't open. But so many people, like we had an ex Baylor football player was uh, was one of our guys, and then another another uh, super tall guy. We had them at the door and handed out. We just kind of we started like a ticket system. No one else was doing. We're like, all right, cool. We'll give them tickets with like. People in line, we'll just go through to give them the size. All right, what size? When we run out of it, we just run out. Bro, people were like seriously fighting for these tickets. Uh, we had to pull our gate down, and people were like smushing each other on the gate. We started letting like, like maybe two or three people in at a time to get the pair that was on their ticket. And I remember this one guy, I'm going to get the size for somebody. He's looking at me, he's like, hey, hey, um, can you also give me this? I'm like, no. He's like, come on, man. Come on. I'll pay you. I'm like, no, like my boss isn't looking at me like I'm like, nah, bro, I ain't gonna do this. And uh, 
So once all that happened, they shut them all down completely because down the street, sister store, foot action, all out brawl happened and people started looting the store when the brawl happened. So someone got hit with like the, the metal rack where the shirts were on and then people were running out with all the stuff on the table. It was just nonsense, man. And then the guys in the middle of the mall, like the uh, guys who was like, you know, so like the questionable jewelry, they had got the heads up from like some of the Foot Locker guys. They sold them some pairs back door and they were selling pairs in the middle of the mall for like four or 500 bucks. Damn. Did you hear they, were the first they were the first stock X. They might ask, I know where it started. <laughs> Did you get a pair? Oh, yeah. I, the funny part about it is, so we get there at 5 in the morning. Everybody else is like, they just take the box of their size. I kid you not. I am sitting on the floor in the stockroom before we open, probably about an hour before we open. Sitting on the floor, and I've, I've opened every size 10 bucks. So I was checking because the, the, the 2011s had real bad QC on, like, the glue. So I'm sitting there comparing, contrasting left and right shoes, mixing and matching. I think I went through, like I say, like probably four boxes, four or five boxes, because we didn't have that many um, size 10. So I think I, I, out of all the boxes, I found the two best pairs and then saved them. But because of what happened, the mall being closed down by the cops, our boss was like, hey, man, or hey, everybody, um, for your for your safety, we're gonna, I'm going to lock these in my office. He's like, y'all come back and get them the following day, which is fine because this, you know, this time, you know, people are still getting stabbed, shot, and killed for Jordan 11s. So, I mean, it was, it was, I remember I brought a backpack, shoved it like the whole box in my backpack, ran to my car, like looking like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when he had the golden ticket, just hauling it. <laughs> Joe, Grandpa Joe, I got it. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy, man. I, I mean, but I loved it. Um, I actually almost went back. So this is the the next part of the story. So when I worked, I, I worked at Enterprise for a while as a manager. But I'm like, bro, this ain't this ain't it. I almost went back as his assistant manager. But as soon as I as soon as I was going to, I looked at the comparison pay. They were gonna pay me less. I'm like, dude, this is just, I can work my way up. But at the same time, like literally like the next week, they're like, student loans start hitting. And then Enterprise is going to give me a raise. I'm like, uh, God, I'm just going to suffer and just, you know, you know, <laughs> take, keep renting these cars for a while so I can, uh, you know, pay all these bills. So fast forward again, you know, we, we meet again. We, we uh, you know, we chop it up every so often when I, when I hang out over there. Um, but yeah, once the world gets normal and I'm actually back in my office again, I think I'm going to start utilizing him to, you know, I'm, I'm all cool. Like, hey, I'm paying full price. So if I got to pay a little bit extra, I'm cool with that. I just don't want to deal with people or bots. That's that's a, the, the truth of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you work, you work, how long do you work at Champs? Uh, for about a year. It's my okay. senior year of college. I worked there. And, uh, yeah, that's my only foray, foray into uh, sneakers until, of course, I you know, got got the camera out, started doing this, the, the pictures and then the writing. And then um, basically I got to a point where I was like, dude, I want to write. And I want to just get into the, the media side of it. So I, I kind of pulled a Robbie to a degree. I was just like – Anybody who is on this freaking Instagram who has some kind of like pull in the publication, here's something I wrote. And, <laughs> and lo and behold, 
Nick, uh, Nick uh, is one that responded to me. Um, and, it was, and it was just kind of, uh, no pun intended, but it was just kind of history from there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, that's, that's kind of my, my work around through the, the sneaker world so far. And, and now you're like full on got, got the writing going, the photography, obviously this podcast, the YouTube. So with the YouTube, I wanted to ask you, what's something that you've learned from, from making YouTube videos that maybe, you know, we wouldn't learn doing, you know, the writing or just like kind of the normal stuff. Right. Cause the YouTube stuff is challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, it is a couple things. One doing what you like. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, when we interviewed Jock, uh, he was a big proponent of, and, you know, I definitely can attest to that because you look on YouTube now. I mean, I, I just want to pull up the, the page. How many people are reviewing the Travis Scott 270 or the Jordan 13 Flint? It is one thing I learned is trying to find my own lane, which I'm still kind of searching for, but I think I'm kind of getting to that. I'm finding a kind of a niche audience right now, uh, which is other things like things that don't get as much shine and aren't as, you know, critically acclaimed, I should say. Um, so that's something I've definitely learned. Um, also, it is completely different from writing. I thought it would be the same thing. Like I would translate what I wrote to a uh, speaking it. You learn to talk to yourself, which is it sounds weird, but you're literally having a conversation with yourself because I find myself getting engaged with what I'm talking about, which you can see the excitement build when it comes to those videos. What I'm talking about, you know, Instapump Fury. Uh, freaking, you know, LeBron 17, whatever it may be, you have to enjoy what you're talking about or it won't translate to the people, no matter if it's 10 people or, you know, 10,000 people, you have to really enjoy what you're talking about because, I mean, a lot of people are on YouTube for, you know, oh, if I do enough of this, you know, the brand will give me free stuff. I, at this point, have zero loyalty to any one particular brand because no one's paying me. Um, I mean, Reebok sent me this cool little box of like little, little gifts, which was dope when I did the Instapump Fury Boost uh, review because no one had done one up to that point. Um, but it's staying really fluid because there's so many things out there. It makes me keep my eyes open. So I think it kind of hinders me sometimes in the sneakers I buy because I get, I like, I get scatterbrained. I'm like, Ooh, I want this, this, and this. It'd be a good video. And I'll leave some other stuff on the table kind of deal. But Oh no, it's really fun. Um, I tell you this, the main purpose of it is not necessarily to monetize, which I mean, I'm not going to say no if it gets to that point, but it's more or less to show my face to the brands, to the sneaker outlets to say, Hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what I can provide to you. Cause just like Robbie, my goal is to work for a brand or an outlet at some point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know we're going to dive more into that later, but that that's the goal. I want to be able to contribute. I mean, cool. If I get some stuff along the way, hey, I don't think anybody complained about that, but the end goal is to actually put a mark somewhere and like, hey, I want to contribute to this brand or to this publication, whatever it may be. We are your publication. <laughs> you are. You are. 
No, I mean, I, I think it's cool though. Like, I think that's something that's super important in the sneaker world, right? Just finding, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it sounds corny, but finding who you are and what your voice mm-hmm. is. And, uh, you know, I mean, you bring up Jacques and like, I've known him for a really long time. We've been really close friends for a really long time. And, and that's something that we talk about still to this day, you know, both of us with 10, you know, 10 plus 12 plus years into this whole thing. And we still feel like, you know, that's a part of the process too. Once you start creating on all these different platforms is like refining it and making sure that you have, you're having the conversations with people that you want. You're putting it out there in the ways that you want people to see it, especially like, you know, thinking about like where you want to go with it, what you want to do in the, in the footwear world. But that's super important because every day is your resume, right? Like the same way that Robbie talks about, you know, about like checking Nike for, for that Ekin position, the same thought process goes into like what you're putting out there on social media, because you know that once you start creating in this world, you've got people that are going to be, you know, working at maybe Reebok today, but they might be at Adidas tomorrow and Nike, you know, a year from now. And you always want to be kind of refining your messaging that goes out. So I think that's super dope. Yeah. I love it, man. I mean, I'm not one to be on camera like that is not ever, (laughs) something I'm comfortable with, but I've, I've really kind of had to force myself to get out of my own way and out of like think outside the box and just, all right, cool. I'm going to do this. Like literally just watching all you guys has been like a big, like help and inspiration. It's just like, you know, when, when you did the uh, you know podcast with Tiffany and Jock and the outside the box, when you guys videoed it, you know, watching, you know, Fomer and buckets, you know, Chris and uh, Chris and his wife on, wear testers like it's one of those things that it's like all right cool if if i can just get out of my own way i can produce something from the ideas i see everywhere else and it's like all right cool now let's be consistent like the hard part is being consistent because i tell you there's sometimes i'll wake up i'm like all right i don't know if i have energy to edit this video but knowing the end result is actually like I, the, the fact that i went from like zero subscribers to like a hundred something in just a couple months. I mean, some people may think that's minus, minus, uh, like tiny and then minuscule, but I think that's a huge jump for me being not, no one knows my face. No one really like, knows me personally to, for the fact that I garnered a small following. I think I, you know, kind of impressed myself and keeps me going because I know that cool. Like for some reason, this, uh, crazy byw 2.0 video is like 30 like 400 views i don't that you know a, a blind squirrel finds a nut every so often and that was mine so far and it, it's just a constant learning curve because everything's changing like these algorithms change instagram's always changing i mean recently i found myself just like oh cool like i'm trying to get my photography trying to find like what do people like and finally got to like, oh, cool, this is what's happening. This is I'm getting going more attention this way. Then the algorithm changed and I've, I'm starting from square one again. Yeah, just when so, you think you have to figure it out and like what your content, like what kind of content you want to be putting out there. It's like, okay, plan switch. Mm-hmm. And then. Yep, for sure. And that's what comes to being fluid. Like I learned I have to be fluid. I have to be able to adjust like on a dime. And that's what I'm like, that's what's helping a lot. And 
just combining all the media platforms from, you know, writing, video, the podcast, I, I think that not only puts me, but I think it puts all of us in a good place because we do so much as a whole, as a, as a unit, that if anyone came knocking, we could, like, cool, we can do this, this, and this for you, and anybody here on the team could do it. So uh, I think that puts us in a, a great spot compared to, you know, some people like these one-trick ponies just buying, oh, look, I got an off-white one today. Cause I'm rich, not you, Robbie. But <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like those were like, oh, I just I don't collect sneakers, but I got off white one and I got a million views. But we can actually do the job. We can like we can provide meaningful content to people, and I, that's like the main reason I enjoy like what we do at Sneaker History because we provide quality. We're not, you know, we're not we're not Instagram hoes. <laughs> We're Instagram ladies of the night. This is <laughs> we're, we're, we're distinguished. So, so then, what's 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 that dream job for you then in in the sneaker world? You know, obviously, Robbie Robbie shared with us, you know, the Eakin story and and how he kind of. Um, you know, was able to find some mentors in that and like kind of looks, looks at that as like, how do I now turn around and give back, give back in that way? And, mm-hmm. um, what is that for you? Is there a, is there a particular brand or a particular like role that you see yourself like going after all the time? Yeah. I mean, I've done, I mean, I, I've done a lot of applying to Nike and I, I'll, to be honest, I didn't have the resume until probably now to even maybe get a second look at the dang thing. Um, because a lot of my qualifications before I started working with you guys was business. Like I was straight on the business side, uh, selling, managing, you know, building businesses. That was, that was my deal. But now I've gotten more, you know, I'm like, just, you know, Robbie said the same thing. I can direct you to sneaker history. There's my portfolio. I can direct you to YouTube. There's my portfolio now. So I have a little bit more, I think not necessarily the edge, but, I think I can at least get a second look, like I said, but I really, I don't want to say I'm going to be brand specific, but I am, of course, Nike probably encompasses more of my collection than anything else, just because I think they do put out just a solid product. And I mean, they have more than one hit wonders. I mean, some of the little brands that buy is more like one-offs because that was the one I hit that caught my attention. So I have to say Nike would be my first uh, probably my first course of action when it comes to looking at that dream position that's going to be their uh, their brand creative designer is just because of the storytelling job that's the person who's going to be in a, in the department uh, you know mix up the marketing team and design team to go in and help tell the story for the next shoe to to bring whatever that or to bring whatever that marketing campaign is to you know you know, this country or that country. So that'd be my, my dream job because it mixes in everything I like. I mean, I graduated Baylor with a marketing degree, so I've always liked that. Um, of course, I, I always enjoy art. So that's a lot of the, you know, let's see what, what color, what, what can we entice people with there that way. And then of course the sneaker itself, like I get to build something around the sneaker campaign around this athlete. Like that would be my, my dream job. That's dope, man. I mean, 
hopefully we can just keep pushing and, and make it happen for you. So, um, hmm. Robbie, you got any you got any last questions for for Mike before we uh, get out of here? I like to hope Mike picked out a top five grails. I did, <laughs> I did, I did, I did. Let's hear them. All right. So I do have I do have two honorable mentions because I keep talking about them, but I haven't bought them yet. And then the price skyrocketed at this stupid documentary. But the uh, Jordan One Royal and Shadow are just two I always miss out on when they release, and I want to get them. I just, I don't, I don't know, I'm triggered. Like, I'm really trigger shy because I hate to spend that much money on a Jordan 1. But, I mean, I really do like them in, I don't know, one day. But my top five, this one is really no particular order. It's just my five. Uh, one's going to be the NR, NERD Nike Dunk High. I've always been a big Pharrell and NERD fan. And, I mean, uh, that's never going to change. Um, the Jordan 1 origin story. You guys know I am uh, love Jordan 1s. I'm a comic book freak, so... I was really ticked when those uh, kind of slipped through my fingers. Uh, the Kobe 5 Dark Knight, the uh, the Pata Air Max 1 Chlorophyll, and then the LeBron 9 Watch the Throne, which probably will never happen. Maybe the LeBron 16 Watch the Throne, but the LeBron 9 Watch the Throne is on the grill list. That's such an epic shoe. Dude, so yeah. gnarly, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's a solid list, though. I mean, all, all five of those are, are, are super dope. A lot of diversity too. Yeah, so you like to I like to spread it around the board a little bit. So if anybody has these for cheap, just let me know. <laughs> the, um, you know, you said the the Para Air Max One, like the the green pair, right? Yeah, yeah, those are like all time bangers. It's so nice. That's why I almost buy the mint ones all the time because they're they're close but not close. But they're always like seventy bucks. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, do what you do what you gotta do. <laughs> make it happen alright so last question for me what's like one piece of advice you would give to either 14 year old Mike or you know kid that's 14 right now looking at sneakers like how do I get into this world and how do, how do I be a part of it um, 14 year old me would tell, or me would tell 14 year old me is to actually, I wish I would have went, would have went to school for, uh, design and to, um, and for fashion merchandising, because I mean, when I was going to college, it was big. It's like, man, in my brain, like, I just got to get out get a job, I, whatever. So 14 year old me was like, Hey, keep going with it because I would draw sneakers. Like, uh, I would draw like superstars and put different colorways and stuff on them. All kinds of stuff. I would tell myself, just keep going with it. Don't just think of it as a hobby, but put pressure on yourself to actually make it happen. Because I think if I would have made contacts earlier, you know, and maybe having a different discussion about this dream job might have happened already. So definitely keep pressing. Um, make more, I think, uh, contacts over like the internet and stuff. I, should, I wish I would have been more involved like Nike Talk. I was more of kind of a spectator. So... Yeah, I think that would be the two things. Just put more pressure on myself in the sense of, hey, you can do this kind of deal. Don't just don't fall back on the dream and then just be more sociable. I think I just started getting to the point of talking to people. (laughs) Hindsight's always 20-20, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure. Cool, man. What what, uh, you got anything else, Robbie? You good? No, I feel like I better know Mike now. So I, I hope <laughs> you too. 
Yeah, it was good, man. It was it was uh, it was cool to to get to know a little bit more about you. Definitely learn some things about your journey. And um, I guess last but not least, let everybody know how they can find you. Everywhere, <laughs> follow me in sneaker history, of course, first and foremost. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789, and then on YouTube, just Mike Guillory. Right on. Well, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode and you got to know a little bit more about Mike and we will catch you on the next one. Peace. See you. Thank you. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneaker history. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as 5 bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.